ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 142 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network, if you will. And we are told to by DAP Daddy Russ, and we do, and we love it. With me, I, this is Andrew Hall, Andrew Hall FF on Twitter. With me in the B chair tonight is Scott Sidlow. How are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing great, man, because uh, the Illinois peeps are outweighing everybody else tonight. We're, we're bringing numbers, and uh, our favorite teams may not align, but that's okay because I pretty much hate my favorite team anyway, so... Uh, we'll agree on a lot of stuff there. So it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night. We got the two central time zone and then me in the Eastern. It's going to be terrific. I'm, I'm very excited to have, uh, I guess you would call it my boss kind of. And, and uh, our guest tonight, not really my boss, but at former co-writer, I guess like fellow writer, fellow uh, a genius, I will say that at Fantasy Pros, because that's calling me a genius and I'm happy with that. Uh, Pat Fitzmorris on the pod tonight. How you doing tonight, Pat? Andrew and Scott, really great to join you guys. Uh, Andrew, let's let's call it colleague, colleague, call it colleague instead of boss. That's that's much better. And Scott, not only a fellow Illinois guy, but fellow Northwest suburban Chicago guy. Yes. I mean, we yes. can even narrow it down more than just Illinois. It's not like that's right. You know, uh, I'm up in uh, what Zion, and you're down in right. Kankakee or something like that. So exactly. We're actually exactly. close. And and as uh, I mentioned to you the other day. I didn't even know it, but I was like two blocks away from you unwittingly uh, attending so my daughter's lacrosse game at, uh, you know, Crystal Lake Central High School. Just That's right. That's where my wife went to, to school. So, Amazing. yeah, that's we're right there. That's crazy. Well, I love hearing about Chicago suburbs because I'm always reminded of Aurora because of Wayne's World. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like just it's like it's only right. like 35 minutes door to door. Like it just it's it just cracks me up every time I think of the suburbs because we were just talking about it before the show, too. But like everything in Chicago is like 30 minutes from each other. It just feels it's not true, but it's just kind of what you say. Um, but no, we're really glad to have you on tonight, Pat. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're we're gonna be talking about rookies tonight. And I think again, because it's May, I feel like we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about rookies. I feel like that's the obvious choice for what we're doing. Uh, I know myself, I'm in uh, a bunch of rookie drafts. I finished a bunch too. Thank goodness. My goodness. There's just, it never stops. I feel like this is, this is the life of a junkie, right? Anyone who's listening to this is probably in the same boat, but I have officially finished uh, eight different rookie drafts. I'm in the middle of three others right now. And then I got another one starting tomorrow and then more starting next week. So it's just, we're, we're right in the thrust of it. Like this is rookie draft season. So I'm very excited to have you on Pat. We're going to talk about some rookies. Before we get into that, uh, before we get too deep into that, speaking of rookies, one of the news items we brought up before the show, which is a good segue into something we always like to talk about on the show, um, Kenny McIntosh was praised by Pete Carroll. 
And I just put, and that's that's pointless. Like that does nothing. It's coach speak in May. It it matters very little during the season. It matters even less in the off season. And it matters even less when it's Pete Carroll. So for me, like Pete Carroll is the, the prime example of everyone's sunshines and rainbows. Everybody's amazing. This guy's terrific. I, I mean, now I'm almost worried Kenny McIntosh is getting cut. Like that's how worried I am now after hearing this. But I guess, Scott, I'll kick it to you. Like how much does coach speak and kind of coach news matter to you in May? It doesn't matter at all for me. I'm guessing the same, but what do you think? Oh, I absolutely love it um, because <laughs> when you when you have, you know, like the GM talking about Brock Purdy and it like blows up your league chat and you're able to sell him for, you know, like two first round picks, like let's go, like let's use that. If somebody's buying into all that stuff, you know, people, uh, once you get through your rookie draft, what happens next? A whole lot of nothing, right? So they're going to just, yep. uh, you know, latch on to anything they can find. And if they're going to make, major decisions based on that like let's go uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna use that to, to buy or sell when it works to my advantage no that's actually a fair point like the coach speak can move some people's opinions on players but i generally tell people don't listen to it i mean again it, it's it's noise more than signal but what do you think pat like is is this is this does this matter at all for kenny mcintosh you see now worth the 401 instead of the 410 you know what i mean like, is this something that moves the needle for you <laughs> no, not not in the least, especially not when it's Pete Carroll who uh, right. you know, talks up everyone. But it was, I, I guess, it was refreshing to see some sort of positive news for Kenny McIntosh because it's all been pretty bleak. It seems like ever since, uh, like March when at the combine, I think he he ran what like a, a four six two, um, you know, like oh, yeah, I, he ran great. that time. Yeah, I was watching that dash, and I remember when he ran it, I was just kind of like wincing. Like, oh, that's not good. And, um, you know, he kind of strikes me as like this year's Kyron Williams, like a guy who yes. a lot of people were excited yes. about the tape coming out. And then he runs like a glacial time at the combine and everyone's like, oh, uh, never mind. Delete those. Yeah, yeah except <laughs> Kyron actually went someplace where there might have been like a little daylight in the, the backfield uh, situation where he could maybe, you know, find a crack to slip into and get some playing time. Whereas Macintosh goes to like, you know, this terrible situation. We were ha- unhappy enough about that situation for <clears throat> Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. And then they throw Macintosh on top of it. So it's just hard to see where he gets any meaningful run in 2023. Yeah. I mean, I like McIntosh as like a, a 412, like last pick. You know what I mean? Like you never know. I think too, and maybe you guys will agree with me on this. I feel like a lot of times running backs are somebody that I tend to just add to my roster anyway, because even if they don't find a, a spot on the roster they're on, they tend to get added by other teams because running backs just get kind of thrown to the wayside. And I feel like every team has six to eight receivers, but they might only have three or four running backs. And sometimes those running backs are Ronald Jones. You know what I mean? Like, Sometimes they're like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and you're like, that guy could get cut at any minute, and they bring in Kenny McIntosh, and all of a sudden the Chiefs have Kenny McIntosh. That's worth having, right? I don't feel like that happens as much with, much with receivers. So, And we still have a bunch of running backs like Zeke and Fournette and other players like Melvin Gordon and other things going to have to find landing landing spots somewhere and make a room for themselves. So there's just always chaos with running backs, and I feel like the more you have, the better your chances are of you know winning that lottery, I guess. So. I just rather take the risk on him than, you know, an un, you know, Raheem Jarrett or something like an undrafted free agent receiver. Like I'd much rather have, have McIntosh in those cases. But other than that, I mean, again, it, it is good to talk about coach talk because we're going to hear a lot of that, right? Like this is that time of year as we head into OTAs and like rookie mini camps and all these other, 
we're going to start hearing things that are, for lack of a better term, entirely wrong and, and BS and not true. And Pete Carroll's the best of that. But coaches are always doing that. It's just that's their job. That's their literally their whole job is to talk and, and heap praise on players that don't matter. So I thought it was an interesting moment. We talked about it before the show. Like, yeah, well, you know what? This is a good segue in a sense to be like, rookies matter, but be careful, right? Like, come on. Uh, I definitely love taking flyers on running backs, but I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's that time of year, right? Without any further ado, let's get into our, our full kind of segment of the night. And what we're going to be talking about here is the rookie QBs and running backs and kind of where they landed, kind of giving some diagnosis, I guess, or some dialogue in general on the first few of each. I don't want to get too deep, but if we do, that's fine too. Um, but my thought for this was just to kind of have a conversation about these QBs and running backs and kind of see what we think about them for dynasty for, for this team this year and like the short term and then for long term and kind of what we think about them going forward. So uh, the first one that comes to mind, I mean, he wasn't the first QB picked, but is Richardson the best QB for fantasy? I feel like a lot of people are putting him in, you know, 102 in super flex drafts and like clearly the, the the quarterback won. He wasn't the first taken, but he's the in the best spot. I mean, Pat, I'll kick it to you first. What do you think about Richardson? Is he really the best QB for fantasy? Is he your 102? He is my 102, and he admittedly was not early in the draft process just because I wasn't totally convinced that he was going to um, – well, I, I became convinced as the draft closed in, but earlier in the process, like I wasn't sure he was going to be like a top 10 pick. Um, you know, then I, I sort of grew confident late in the in, in the days leading up to it. In fact, like the day of the draft, I, I plowed a lot of money into – well, not a lot of money, but uh, some money <laughs> into the over-under on Richardson going at uh, pick seven and a half the morning of. I'm just like, there's no way a guy this athletic and, uh, you know, with this much arm talent is going to get, like, much further than that. So it was – gratifying to see the Colts who had reportedly been, uh, you know, like tuned into Will Levis during the whole draft process, like actually make the right move. And for fantasy, of course, I mean, the guys got the most running potential in this quarterback class by far um, with his speed at that size. I mean, he's just a truly unique dude, um, you know, to, to be that big and fast, like that's just exciting. And the fact that he's got a rocket for an arm. And yes, I know like people are going to be horrified by the 53.8 completion percentage last year at Florida. But, um, you know, like in talking to Matt Waldman, who, uh, as you guys know, is like really tuned into the rookies, like Matt Matt said, yeah, maybe he is inexperienced as far as like game experience, but um, like he is not an unsophisticated guy. Like people were talking about Malik Willis last year and how, uh, you know, not a great processor and was going to need all this work or whatever. Like he thinks Richardson is actually pretty sophisticated as far as like how he, you know, manipulates defenders with his eyes and maneuvers around in the pocket without necessarily leaving the pocket. And like, I guess he's really good on the whiteboard because Waldman talked to uh, Richardson's QB coach or QB mentor, who also happened to be Brock Purdy's QB mentor. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like the toolkit is exciting. And uh, yeah, maybe he is a little raw as far as experience, but, um, you know, just the arm strength and everything, you can see the path to him becoming a quality NFL passer. And we know he's going to be a quality NFL runner as a quarterback yeah. right off the bat. 
Yeah, well, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think also he landed in the right spot, right? He's not like having to oh, deal yeah. with Ryan Tannehill or any of that. He's not having – he doesn't have to sit. He can start right away. Like that team kind of needs him. And I think as a running quarterback, that helps because and, he's just going to get to see more snaps, which is going to be good for him. Yeah, so, and yeah, I'm, Shane I'm, Steichen too, the exactly. guy who going to a coach <clears throat> who's been working with Jalen Hurts the last couple of years. Oh, and by the way, like – we know that it's really rare for a quarterback to have a good year right out of the chute as a rookie. Well, one who did and sort of defied that was uh, Justin Herbert, who was also working with Shane Steichen. and worked time. him too. Yep, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think there there is obviously a spectrum when it comes to running quarterbacks from like Lamar Jackson and like that, that stud running quarterback all the way down to like, I guess, Malik Willis or like somebody who just didn't get a chance. I think Steichen is the perfect case for this. What do you think about Richardson, Scott? Are you kind of on that same page that he's going to do well, or are you a little nervous? Yeah, so uh, Rocky and I had the 102 in the uh, Listener League, too, and Rocky texts me, um, you know, one word, Richardson, <sighs> and I said, in Steichen we trust. There and you go. We made the pick. And basically, you know, the thing I think people – might forget about a little bit is like I, you take your first round pick and obviously it sucks when it's, you know, Jalen Rager, right. Um, Akeem Butler, all those guys, but you have to, you, you have to go for that ceiling too, right? Like you, there's a reason you have the one Oh two. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're, you're rebuilding or uh, your team's awful. And so you have to kind of swing for the fences and go for that. Um, I just checked my roster ship currently of all my rookies and Anthony Richardson is my number one, most rostered rookie, all positions everywhere. So, um, Wait, Scott, you like quarterbacks. That's news. I've me. just I've been smashing that one Oh two. Like, let's go for it because I, he has the highest ceiling. Like, does he have the lowest floor? It, maybe, maybe. Yes. And I'm just talking about an NFL quarterback, not yep. fantasy wise. Right. But I mean, these guys have to, at least make some progress as an NFL quarterback. Otherwise they're not going to be on the field, which then they're not helping your fantasy team. Right. So like we, we have to understand like what, what these guys can do from an NFL standpoint. Uh, but that ceiling is, it, it's just too much to ignore. And yeah. he's just the clear one Oh two for me. And I've even seen him at one Oh one in some cases where mm. the team didn't want to trade back, whatever. And honestly, that probably is the right process pick. Because if your team earned the 101, Bijan's not really going to help you necessarily. Maybe you can flip him for a quarterback later. But, yeah. um, you know, it's it's process-wise, I can see why it'd be Richardson if you can't trade back. So, yeah, uh, Richardson, 101, 102, like all, all in on that. And, you know, if he busts, he busts. Like that's history says these three quarterbacks, it's likely that two are going to bust. So well, I was going to ask you that, like there are a lot of top five taken in the NFL draft quarterbacks that, you know, Zach Wilson, as our, our other co-host Rocky would say, who's not here tonight, uh, who's not a fan of Zach Wilson and has made that abundantly clear. Like there's definitely like Josh Rosen, like there's definitely as many, you know, gravestones as there is, you know, t title runs. Right. I mean, like it's not a guarantee, but I just think all the stars are aligning for Anthony Richardson to be the guy. And I just feel like, again, with Steichen, uh, with that offense, with Jonathan Taylor and, and Michael Pittman, like they don't just – it's not just Richardson, right? Like they've got other players that can distract the defense, uh, which, again, sounds oddly familiar to what the Eagles are dealing with when they had Sanders and they have A.J. Brown. Like, now granted, A.J. Brown greater signed Michael Pittman, 
and and Jonathan Taylor, greater sign Miles Sanders. But it's like they, they had other offensive weapons that kind of freed Jalen Hurts up to kind of, you know, scramble a little bit. And I think the same could happen here. So I'm kind of with you. I think that, you know, I still value Bijan as the 101. I don't think anybody's going to really fight a lot of people on that. You might have a disagreement or, you know, maybe somebody drafts for for need instead of talent, which I don't advocate for, but you do you, right? It's your own league. But to me, Richardson is like the clear-cut guy that is, I don't know, almost a tier above the others with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud just because of the fact that his ceiling is so much higher. Like, I just, man, I just love the fact that you can see Richardson getting crazy. So, yeah, I, I mean, anything else you want to say about Richardson, Pat, or have we kind of covered it, you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of covered it. And uh, I know what you guys mean about the the possibility or really the statistical likelihood of one of these top three quarterbacks or two maybe being busts. But, um, you know, like with some of the guys you brought up from the past, like Zach Wilson and Josh Rose, and like those guys definitely had a pretty busty vibe coming into the draft. You know what I mean? Like we clip it, that. That's good. They had a busty vibe. I love it. I love it. And there You're was not like, wrong. I just love it. Like Will Levis kind of had a busty yep. vibe coming into this draft, but he didn't yep. go in the first round. And we, we thought he was going to go in the first round, you know, and like there've been those past drafts where, you know, Christian Ponder is going in the first oh. round and drew lock. And you're kind of like, eh, it could work out, but probably it's not going to work out. And um, with these guys, I, I think it seems like everyone, you know, the, the dynasty intelligentsia, the, you know, the NFL media, um, everyone seems pretty, I don't know. The, the vibes seem a little positive and not too busty on these three. Yeah. And I, I love this by Tater Wolf, who's commented a couple of times already. Who's the next busty boy? Like, I love that. Like, yeah, who's a busty boy? Like, that could be a whole thing. That could be your whole new thing there, Pat, like your whole shtick. Um, I, I think any QB can bust. Let's be honest. Like, there, there is no guarantee anymore. Uh, I think that we've been kind of spoiled a little bit with, you know, Andrew Luck and then like uh, Trevor Lawrence being like the next Andrew Luck, like all this hype you know, kind of heaped on these guys that panned out, right? Um, I don't remember hearing a lot of comps to Richardson being being Jalen Hurts. I don't think I've heard that. I haven't heard that he's going to be that great. It's more like he's in a system that could that could be a ceiling. And so everybody's kind of, I think a lot of people in my mind in the intelligentsia and in the dynasty community are kind of couching all three of these guys and being like, well, let's be careful. None, no, none, none of these are are guaranteed studs for dynasty, which is kind of how it should be in my mind. Like it's, it's really hard to claim somebody's going to be amazing when you haven't even seen him on the field in an NFL game. So I think Richardson's the best. I think most people agree with that. But again, if you don't believe that that's fine, there's nobody that's really going to fight you that I've seen. that's like too diehard about it. So the, the next QB on the list was the first QB taken that I want to bring up was Bryce young, who is at least as of right now, tentatively again, coach speak wise, uh, potentially starting and, and kind of sitting, I guess, behind Andy Dalton, which I don't think is a terrible idea. So, Scott, I want to kick it to you. Like, what do you think about Bryce Young, and and what do you think about him sitting behind Dalton? I see you shaking your head. Yeah, he's not. I mean, this is this is just what Frank Reich does. Like, this is how he runs his team. Everybody earns their spot. Nothing's given to you. Um, so they sign Andy Dalton. He's the vet. He's the guy. He's going to come out. He's going to be the leader. And then, you know, Bryce is going to come in and he's just going to be far superior. He's going to be and, better. And, yeah. and by, and by, you know, through the preseason, through the off season, um, he will prove that and show that. And then he will be the week one starter. I mean, that's just how it's going to work. That's what Steichen's kind of, or that's what uh, Frank Reich has always done. And, um, 
yeah, that I don't expect anything less. Like this is, you know, especially when you're a guy going into a new team, a new organization, and you're trying to set a precedent, you're setting a tone, you're, you're bringing that uh, culture, right? That's, that's what he wants. He wants the competition. He wants to have all that. And I mean, Andy Dalton didn't go there as like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the starter. Like he, he knows, he knows, you know, like, sure. He's, he's there to kind of be, you know, maybe, yeah, he can play some games if needed, but essentially he's the mentor. He's probably on the coaching track, honestly, like Josh McCown yeah. type. Right. Um, so, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I'm happy that he's there. Honestly, like I, I love the staff. I love the personnel. I love the signings that they made. Like people are like, oh, Adam Thielen or DJ Shark. Yeah, I get it. But like that's the, those are the kind of guys that you need to to support your young quarterback and help them grow. Um, you, you need those veterans. You need those leaders in the locker room. You need those guys to, to come in and, and help them, you know, learn the offense and, and do all those things that the little things, the football things that help these guys grow into what we want them to be for fantasy. So I love what they're doing. Um, the bears didn't do any of that for Justin Fields, which is why you've not seen him progress as a passer. Um, you know, hopefully that's what's coming this year, right? Bring in DJ Moore, do those kind of things. So to see Carolina kind of taking that pre-step, doing it now, right? You're going to, Bryce, uh, you know, he's going to hit the ground running and and let's go. Wheels up. The, the one mention about Carolina is that it just looks like my fantasy team three years ago. You know what I mean? You got... You got Andy Dalton, you got DJ Chirk, you got Adam Thielen, and you got Miles Sanders. Like, this is a fantasy team. Like, this is one of those guys that's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild through trading. And, like, I, I just – you're a couple years late, guys, but good good choice. Uh, Pat, what do you think about this team? Like, are you, do you think Bryce Young is going to start day one, like we said? I do, yeah. I pretty much agree with everything Scott said about that. It, it just seems, especially with the quarterback that Bryce Young is and the, the – profile he has and everyone talks about him being this sort of uh you know advanced processor and great decision maker and sort of this uh you know chris paul basically operating as a quarterback the point guard who makes all the right decisions and knows when to pass and when to shoot um so yeah like just a, a guy like that who seems like he's got a high floor and is going to basically um you know get to maximum uh, peak output pretty soon. Like yeah. I, I think everyone feels like young is probably the guy who needs the least development of the quarterbacks in this class. So, I mean, if there's anyone who can start on day one in this class, it's, it's probably him. So um, yeah, I agree with what you said. I mean, just think about what that Panther receiving group looked like at the end of last year. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I know like, yeah, maybe Adam Thielen is washed and maybe DJ Chark has never really lived up to the promise uh, he showed when he first came into the NFL. And, and you know, maybe Mingo is going to be good or, or won't be good. But, um, sure. you know, it's at least a, a credible receiving core now, which uh, yeah. they, they didn't really have at the end of last year. Yeah, I'll say that I think Bryce Young has the has the. I guess the highest floor in my mind, like I don't think he's going to fail as much. I think he's the least busty, I guess to use your term from earlier. I think he's, he's the least busty, but he's also the, the, he's also got the shortest, I'm sorry, smallest or no, 
lowest ceiling. I'm sorry, I keep saying short because he's so tiny, but he's got the lowest ceiling. I feel like his, his ceiling is a little cap because the talent around him isn't quite phenomenal, but they could they could do something. But in my mind, the odds are slim that he's going to ball out and be a top 10 quarterback. Where with Richardson, I see the ceiling being top five, right? Like I could easily see him launching into that in year one, year two. With Bryce, I feel like it's going to take some time for him to adjust, to acclimate to the speed of the game and, and the big, you know, 300 pounds, six foot tall lineman. He's only what, 5'8", 5'10", something like that. I mean, 5'10", but I'm pretty sure he's shorter than that. So it's like, that's where my mind goes. Like he's going to have to adjust more than Richardson. So I think that's going to take longer for him to get to, but I don't think he's going to be a total dud. I don't think he's going to be a Josh Rosen. I think, again, they they were right to take him first overall um, for the longevity of the thing. But I also kind of like the idea of Dalton starting, if I'm being honest. I mean, again, I'm a Bengals fan. I've watched Andy Dalton for a long time. I think he's still got something left in the tank. He's definitely got that coach's mentality. He's definitely got the, the right, you know, here's the play to call. Here's why I'm diagnosing the defense, but his physicals are just not there anymore. Again, we've all gotten older. We all get how that works, right? I am definitely not as fast as I was literally three days ago, but not let alone 10 years ago. Right. Um, so I think in Andy Dalton, I wouldn't be shocked if he is taking QB one snaps in June and then come preseason, they put Andy Dalton in as the first quarterback, but it's really just more to like, give Bryce some more time to catch up. And then week one, Bryce is the guy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I don't think there's any reason not to as the number one overall pick. So I think if you're taking Bryce Young, you're kind of expecting that, which I think is fair. Um, the third quarterback that we'll talk about tonight is CJ Stroud. I want to hear about what we think his upside is because, I mean, CJ Stroud's the most confusing of the three. I feel like he could have the lowest floor, as in like the Texans could just be that bad and he might be terrible and they get Caleb Williams and it's over, right? It could be like a Malik Willis kind of floor. But C.J. Stroud could also be like an Anthony Richardson kind of ceiling. Like he's not he's not bad, but we haven't really seen a good Ohio State quarterback until Justin Fields. And even then it was like, you know, three or four duds in a row. So I'm just kind of nervous. So, Scott, I'll kick it to you first. What do you think about C.J. Stroud? Is his upside on the Titans worth that 103-104 kind of pick? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of – I guess I'm not surprised, but – He's been consistently falling to 104 and even 105. Um, yeah. In a lot of my and Gibbs has been jumping drafts. him a lot. Yeah. Um, I've I've completed 20 something and I've got another dozen or so going right now. Um, and even I have three auction uh, drafts going right now. And you know Bryce Young's going for so much more. It's just like yeah, give, give me Stroud for the discount. Like right. Um, I guess if you if you had to say like which one's more likely to bust. Sure. I guess maybe it's Stroud. Um, but also, you know, just his running ability, you know, we, we, I think we covered it pretty well on this podcast talking about how the one thing that I can respect Ryan day does for his, uh, people at that, uh, school is that he wants them to be a pocket passer and, and not to run and get beat up. And, um, you know, but we know he has that ability and he may have to do that a little bit early in his career. So that can help us yeah. fantasy wise, but I've been happy to grab him. Um, and he's been, he's my second most rostered uh, player behind Richardson because I, I never have the chance at young. I'm taking Richardson ahead of him. And then Stroud's always been the guy falling to me. So, and I'm perfectly happy with that. And uh, you know, and, and I think it's perfectly fine if somebody wants to take Gibbs over him. Um, or even I've seen JSN over him too. I mean, I don't agree with that. That's not my process. But talent-wise, um, I, I completely understand and uh, can sign off on that. But I, I think uh, you got to go with that guy that's two overall. And essentially, 
you know, put um, who was the defensive guy that Will Anderson was it Will yeah. Anderson? They talk. Okay, so Number put three. Anderson, yeah. put Anderson and at two. Okay, and then do the trade for Stroud, right? And it's the same thing. Like people are like, why would you give all that up for the play? Just just switch them. Just switch yeah. them in your mind. I just so want to back stop back. having the conversation. Yep. Like it's just there. That's their guy. They went and they got him, and it's no different than what Carolina did. Um, you know, with the Bears to go up and get their guy and and so many other teams we've seen in the past. So they're all in on on making this work. And, you know, yeah, they gave up their first. So, you know, they're not going to be adding Marvin Harrison Jr. for him next year. But uh they they have some decent players there. They could right trade, now. they could trade so, back into the first. We don't um, know. Like they, they could say yeah, Brandon hey. Cooks when he's a stud. We I mean the, 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 the story's not written. Hang on. You know, yeah, you you never you never know what the future holds, but I think they're um unlikely I, I think their receiving core is, and their offensive line i guarantee is better than you know some recent teams in the past what they've put around their early picks so i think the we can see a path to success for all of these guys which of course is the time of year the optimism that we all have um but i i think uh he's 100 worth that shot at 103 or 104 yeah, and, and just real quick before I kick it to you, Pat, I mean, I, I've been through eight drafts. I've finished now. I'm in another two or three that are gone going. I've got two shares of of Stroud and one, I'm sorry, one of Stroud, one of Bryce Young and no Richardson. And both of those were at 104. And it's just kind of like, you know, taking the QB available. I didn't have any 102s or threes. I either traded up or traded back at that range just because I felt like the value on Richardson is kind of ridiculous right now, if I'm being honest. So I'm fine to take a, an overpay for that. But I think Stroud at 104, 105 is fine with me. Uh, I'd much rather have a QB in a super flex league at that spot than a, than a running back in most situations. So uh, that's kind of my thought. But, yeah, I think Stroud's – he's got an interesting road ahead. But, Pat, what do you think about C.J. Stroud? Is he uh, is he worth that 104 or are you willing to wait a little longer? No, I think he's worth that 104. And, in fact, I was uh, fully prepared to take him at the 104 in this draft I'm doing right now, this uh, – this uh 14 team super flex league mm. that jacks falcone put together oh yeah i was picking 104 and um fully prepared to take cj stroud i i needed a quarterback there wasn't any way i was going to take gibbs or or jsn ahead of him and um actually then hayden winks surprised me at the 103 and took cj stroud there so I, I wound up with Bryce Young, which, you yep. know, I was perfectly content with. Also, I do yep. have Young ranked ahead of Stroud. But, I mean, what's Stroud's eventual upside? Like, I think it's he could be a QB1 at some point. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's – we all live in the Midwest, guys. Like, we've probably watched a lot of Big Ten football. I've watched a lot of Ohio State games the last couple of years. Yep. That offense has been a freaking machine. Yep. I mean, just an absolute machine. And, like, a, a big part of the reason why is that C.J. Stroud just puts balls right on the money. Like the guy's got a, a terrific NFL caliber arm and he is accurate as hell. And um, yeah, so like, even though he doesn't, uh, you know, run that much, but I think he could be like a Joe Burrow type opportunistic right. runner, uh, which we sort of saw against Georgia in the, in the college football playoffs. Yeah. So um, like, that's totally fine with me. If he wants to be a burrow type quarterback who mostly does it with his arm, but you know, occasionally adds something with his leg. Um, I like him a lot. And unfortunately, like he's probably not going to hit anything close to his ceiling in year one. Cause uh, you know, the Texans are pretty slim on, on pass catching talent right now. Like they are kind of where the, the Panthers were last year. 
So uh, yeah. yes, exactly. He's, he's a much better passer, a much better passer coming out of uh, school than Fields, in my opinion. Yeah. So yes. I mean, I I think he certainly has that. And then if he can use his legs a little bit too, then I think he may be usable this year. But I think we just get too caught up in the like. Oh, I used my 104, so he better be a QB1 for me right now, this year, day one. And, yeah. you know, that's just not the reality for most of these guys. So uh, you have you have to have some sort of patience with that. But likely, again, if you earn the 103, 104, you're probably not competing this year anyway. So let him take his lumps and, and you know, grow and build and be that guy in the future. Yeah, and I think I mentioned Brandon Cooks earlier. I was actually thinking about Robert Woods, which would be hilarious to get him for a first. But like that, that you know, I was Cooks and Woods have the same kind of phrasing in my brain. But yeah, I think C.J. Stroud could be somebody that we we see become somebody. But I don't know if he's going to start as somebody, right? Like I'm just a little nervous on that. Uh, and again, the Houston Texans have a lot of holes. They have a lot of needs. You know, they they are not a contending team. I, I'm not trying to be rude, but. I don't think they think they're contending. I think they're just trying to get through this year. I mean, obviously, I'm really excited to see John Mechie back. Uh, they got Tank Dell. Like, there, there's some different players on that team that could be entertaining for for dynasty and for fantasy. But I don't know. I just feel like CJ Stroud's probably got the the longest and, and hardest path to dynasty relevance at this point. Which, again, everybody's so short sighted. That's kind of you need to hit now or it's never going to happen. Uh, speaking of that, though, and and maybe I just I want to bring him up because he was. He was there. Uh, Will Levis. Uh, what do we think about Will Levis? And I guess, Scott, I want to kick this to you first as someone who's a big fan of QBs and rookie drafts. I mean, is, is Will Levis somebody you're willing to take at like the 109-110? Or is he somebody you're willing to wait on and just sort of, you know, not grab? Even though he's in Tennessee, he's most likely going to start when Tannehill retires. They've, they've got a team that could work with him. Um, what I guess, what do you think about Will Levis in general now that we know his landing spot? Well, when Tannehill retires, yeah, I don't know. How about when Tannehill gets hurt, like week three? Um, Same so, thing. Yeah, yeah he's gonna retire. He's gonna... <laughs> he's, he's uh, um, in the Junkies Listener League one. Uh, I got on the clock at two o four. I saw the notification that I was on the clock, and I went in. And I'm thinking like. Oh, am I going to have to take one of these wide receivers that I know? And I was like, oh, Will Levis is still there at 204? <laughs> yep. Done. Pick. I didn't even look to see if there were any trades or anything. Like, oh, I'm good. No That's, and that was my first pick in the draft, too, because I, I took over this as an orphan, and I've been kind of reloading here. So, um, yeah, I was thrilled to to see that uh, because, obviously, I love to build through the quarterback position, and here he is with uh, my first pick. So, um you know, having said that, I don't have a ton of him. Um, just the way drafts have worked out currently. Uh, but I'm not opposed to taking him in the late first. Um, I don't think that. Well, I guess for for me, it's a process thing, right? Uh, you know, process over results, right? Hey, you're and wearing the right shirt. Anybody that's, watching, uh, that's the shirt he's wearing. That's exactly right. That's what I've continued to do. I mean, here's how I justify it. If I was willing to take Kenny Pickett last year and I didn't like Kenny Pickett, then I might as well be willing to take Will Levis. Even though I don't you gotta like back that up, right? <laughs> so uh, it it is my process. It's done me well, and I'm I'm gonna stick with it. Um, I I think, you know, there's a lot of people have brought up great points. I mean, Jeff Bell brought it up. Uh, obviously, you know, I I love Jeff and I trust his opinion very very much. Um, on our mock draft last week basically saying mm -hmm. how there's there's nothing to keep them from 
you know, having a top pick next year and taking Drake May or Caleb Williams, you know, look what they just did to Malik Willis. And sure. Yeah. I mean, you can make a hundred arguments, you know, uh, against everyone. You could do the same thing with any player on any team. So uh, I just, I, I'm not going to worry about that too much. Um, I think he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he has some tools. Uh, the fact that like, you know, he, he may or may not have gone to like four if uh, say like Arizona traded out and, and Richardson went there and then the Colts took him at four. I mean, how would he be viewed if, if he went four instead of Richardson? You know, Man. I mean, I, I think people would be happy to take him at 107, 108. Whole right? different so, world. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Or even if like Titans traded up to like eight, 10, 12 and, and took him there, you know, like. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. We know the hit rates basically outside of the top 10, um, you know, it, top like 11, anywhere from like 11 to 60 is basically the same hit rate for quarterbacks. And that's not good. So we know that uh, I think there's some value insulation there possibly, um, but a second round pick, I'm always willing to to use that on, on a, you know, potentially franchise quarterback. I have no problem taking making that yeah i mean it it doesn't matter how much mayo you put in your coffee that's just good value right there like i love it so pat are you on that same kind of mindset where like will levis at 204 is a seal but are you willing to take him at like the 110 112 kind of range in the first oh yeah i am and and you stole the mayo and the coffee reference for me i had to it was too good (laughs) low hanging fruit man no and i mean like aren't aren't we sort of glad in a way that the draft panned out the way it did with levis slipping like that because it allows us to like draft him in a more comfortable range i mean otherwise mm-hmm. he's in the zach wilson yeah. zone where if he goes with the top five pick we're like oh god do i really want to spend the the 104 in this rookie draft on him or the you know like you're i mentioned it like that the busty the busty vibe on these guys and it. but when they get that high draft capital like you're really tempted with those those early first round picks now yeah absolutely like i think i've got him <laughs> I don't know if I've got him 110 or 111 in my overall rankings. He's right next to Kincaid. It's those two at 110, 111, mm. and it all kind of depends on what your need is when you're drafting down there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I have no issue taking him down there because it's not going to hurt as much if he busts. He's basically the firewall in these this year's rookie drafts between the relatively sure things and the dart throws. And, like, Will Levis is, like, he's the wall pretty much. Yeah. Well, and there, there is a tear Absolutely. gap, I think, for a lot of people in that late first where I, I've talked to a lot of people. I know Rocky even mentioned it last week on the on the, the mock draft show where it's like, I don't want the 109. I don't want the 110. Like, those are just kind of like the, the beginning of a tier. I'd rather have the end of a tier in a second round pick, right? Like, I'd much rather move back a little bit and get the same guy or even then like equivalent value. Um, I've seen Will Levis go in the 111, 112 range in a few different drafts. And, and it just, I don't know. I mean... I get why he's going that early because quarterbacks are so tricky to get, especially in a 14 teamer where it's even harder to get, right? Like you kind of have to go a little bit earlier, but he just, I don't know. Will Levis kind of worries me because of the drop. Now, granted, Tennessee did trade up in the second to get him. And I think part of that was like, well, he's fallen into the second round. So we don't have to worry about that fifth year option. We can kind of get him at a discount now. Let's go get him. And Tennessee was not necessarily the only team looking for a quarterback, but I think they were the best team looking for a quarterback. So I don't see there being a better landing spot. You could argue Tampa Bay was a better landing spot, but I would almost argue he'd have a better or a harder time becoming the starter. I think Baker Mayfield is going to earn that job, to be honest. I think Will Levis is going to learn a lot more 
from Ryan Tannehill than he would from Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And then, like Scott said, Tannehill is probably going to be the guy, and then he's going to go down, and we're never going to see Tannehill again, and it's going to be Levis' team. I could totally see it. And also, I think this is something I mentioned on Twitter, but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Malik Willis cut or traded before June 1st, uh, like sometime this month, and just they just get out of it. They don't want to have three quarterbacks vying for that position, and there are quarterback needy teams still, or at least backup needy teams, that I think uh, Willis could go to. So, yeah, I think Willis, I think Willis is kind of, I don't want to say he's in the way of Levis, but once that happens, I feel like it's almost like a clear-cut path to Levis being the guy, so... Yeah, I'm with that. Anything else you want to mention about quarterbacks? I know, Scott, you're a big on quarterbacks, and there's a couple others, but I didn't really want to get too far around the axle on this. I thought, you know, Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett and some of these other guys, you know, just take quarterbacks. It's kind of your mentality in the third and fourth. But was there anything else you want to mention while we're talking quarterbacks? I just – I think uh, some of these quarterbacks have been going, like, too high, like Stetson Bennett. It's mm. just – it's kind of wild to me. Like, I've seen him go, like, in the late second. And I just, I don't, I'm not doing that <laughs> like in the, in the fourth round. Sure. Uh, maybe a couple late thirds, but otherwise, no, I mean, there's a few late guys that you could, you could maybe get a few spot starts out of, or um, just take them to flip. You know, if you're sitting at like the four 11, four 12 and you're like, yeah, I don't like any of these guys. Um, Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toon, uh, a couple guys like that, idea. you know, you, you never, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy G, Jimmy glass. Um, you know, <laughs> I know, I think they have Brian Hoyer there, but he's, you know, about 62. So uh, O'Connell <laughs> could win that, win that job. Um, and, uh, you know, Clayton Toon, I mean, all, all he has ahead of him, I believe is Colt McCoy. So as of uh, right now, yeah. You McCoy's know, I don't think out. that's going to yeah. take a lot. Um, and McCoy for whatever reason, hasn't been able to stay healthy either. So, um, you know, guys late dart throws, you can grab there, but yeah, otherwise I tend to uh, say like, well, when in doubt, take a quarterback, right? Like, if you really can't pick, just, I don't know. I'm with you, Scott. Like, quarterbacks are, are really a tough one, but I'd rather risk it on a quarterback that has, again, the highest ceiling of the positions in Superflex leagues. Like, you know, I, I got Stetson Bennett at 307. I, I traded into the draft yeah, because I was like, okay. you know, I, I need, I only have, I think in that league, I have uh, Tua, Garoppolo, and Stafford, and that's it. And I'm like, you know what? I could use a bench quarterback. Like, let me go in here and get this I guy a little that. bit early. But I'm like, 307 isn't that bad. Like, it's a third. Who cares? You know, like, we're not getting crazy here. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. You know, like, and, and Puff Pass Kick actually mentioned in the chat here DTR. too. Dorian Thompson Robinson yep. is another one that could be interesting. Yep. He went to Cleveland, which isn't maybe the best landing spot, but he's he's, Watson, a, he's a Watson light. I mean, he's, well, it's the same offense. He could step in and run it the same way. So, I mean, yeah, he's got some running ability. So yeah, that's another guy that's on my list too, that I have a couple shares of. Well, and what I was even going to say too, on that same kind of note is like Watson may not entirely be clear of legal troubles. I mean, I, we don't know all that could happen. There could still be more things that come out as much as we think it's over. We never know anything. Right. Um, and again, it, it's, I, I hate to say it, but like that off the field stuff just kind of weighs on a player. Maybe he gets hurt and, and, and doesn't want to come back or doesn't rehab well or whatever. And, and Thompson Robinson's a guy like we, we've seen crazier things happen. So I like taking a flyer on him, uh, in the fourth or fifth round, if you're in that late. And then even like after the draft, picking him up and stashing him too. I don't mind that at all. Uh, Pat, anything else you want to talk about with quarterbacks before we get to running backs? One quick thing. Can I, can I turn this around on, on the co-hosts and ask sure. you guys a question? Where do you guys think Hendon Hooker probably should go in drafts? Like, what's the what's the right range for Hooker and rookie drafts? Scott, I'll defer to you, but I, I got my answer. Yeah, um, for me, I I have not taken him 
Eh, I probably have taken a couple late seconds, but third round is where I'm comfortable taking him with deep rosters or taxi squads where I can just kind of stash him. Um, but he's been going mid second. And I, you know, to me, I think that's too high. Uh, but I understand why, like I get it. It's, it's, you know, rookie drafts the cheapest time to get them. And look, that's a situation where like, it's, it's funny that everyone thinks golf sucks until all of a sudden Ooh. it's like Hendon hookers there. And it's like, Oh no, golf's great. You know, hooker will never touch the field. It's like, wait, wait a minute. You just, you hated him six months ago. You know, like, uh, it, you never know what's going to happen with these guys. And we know Goff's a competent quarterback, but he's nothing special. Yes. He's under contract. I, I get all that. Uh, but these guys, you know, we've, we've seen even some great ones like Russell Wilson just fall off a cliff out of nowhere. Right. It happens. So um, mid seconds, probably a little too rich for my blood, but uh, hit the third round and, and I'm, I'm in with deep enough rosters where I can stash him. I'm 100% with you. My logic was going to be like 210, 212 is kind of where I'm considering him. It really depends on who's falling there. Um, I've seen Ty, Ty J Sharp fall in that range. I got him at 304 in a league earlier today, and I was just ecstatic about that. That's a terrific value for Spears in my mind. Um, so it's just like, I, I guess, too, it could come down to if you have a need at quarterback. Like I mentioned before, where I only had three quarterbacks on my roster. I mean, granted, they're all starters, but none of them are like terrific starters. And at any minute, you know, Stafford could hit his elbow again and be out. So it's like, I don't mind at all getting another quarterback. And then also, I don't mind backing up Goff and kind of doing a handcuff mentality either. If you've got Goff as your QB2, just because that team could really kind of pivot to this is going to be a really interesting year for the Lions. I really like their offensive weapons. Um, I actually don't mind Goff at all. I've had Goff on a lot of teams. I had him in Scott Fishbowl last year. I had a nice little Bengals Lions stack that got me into the second round and then crapped the bed, which is pretty common for Scott Fishbowl. It's just so hard to move on in that league. But uh, Jared Goff, I think, is is a good quarterback. And there is a chance that he, I hate to say it, but I don't want to knock on wood or whatever, like he could get hurt at any minute, right? This is a dangerous position, a dangerous game in a sense. Like Hennon Hook could be thrust into that game. And if, if you're asking me, would I rather have Will Levis on the Titans with Traylon Burks and Chigagonquo or would I rather have Hen and Hooker with Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, Sam Laporta? You know what I mean? Like that, that, that Lions offense is significantly better. And it's like, we don't know either one of them is going to start this year, to be honest. Like, I, I, there's no guarantee that Levis starts over Tannehill all year. And so for me, it's like, I'd rather take the discount on Hooker and just be like, hey, maybe he's the guy. Maybe they liked him. I mean, I actually liked him a lot in college. I had a really good, you know, whenever I saw film, I had a good feeling about it. I'm like, this guy seems like he knows what he's doing. But Nobody was hyping him as a first round guy. And so maybe the expectations being lower helps too. So I, I kind of like him. And again, if you can get him in the third round, hell yeah, I'm a fan of that. Anything else you got for us, Pat? <laughs> no, that was it. I mean, I just, uh, I was curious because in the first two rookie drafts I had this year, like, and I consider myself probably like lower on hooker. Well, maybe I guess not lower on hooker than the consensus, but I have real reservations about him coming from a very simplified QB friendly paint by numbers offense that yeah. you know, Josh Heupel uh, runs at Tennessee, but like he fell to me at 211 in one draft and 306 in another. And I just Oof. felt like that was value, you yeah. know? So, um, so I took Agreed. him both times. Okay, you should start a podcast. You know what he, you're doing. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> so he literally, I just got a notification that he was drafted in one of my current drafts going on and it's the 307. There you go. So, wow. I mean, yeah, real good value. That's there. the yeah. latest. I've probably uh, that's the latest I've seen him go by far. But yeah, I mean, there, why not? Why wouldn't you? 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely take the risk. I mean, risk in quotes, it's a quarterback. I mean, they're all risky at that point. Right. So you're good. Right. Uh, all right. So we're going to move into running backs. And I think this is going to be a shorter conversation. I mean, we, we don't have to get crazy about these second or third round guys, but I definitely want to talk about Bijan. I mean, I think everybody in their, in their mother is talking about Bijan Robinson is like the one-on-one in rookie drafts. I don't think this, that was the same before the draft. It was, if anything, it was more important after the draft getting eighth overall to the, I think it was eighth overall, right. To the, uh, to the Falcons. I mean, like that's amazing draft capital. That team obviously wants him and that team wants to run the ball as we've seen in the past with Algier and Patterson and everything else. I just feel like that might be one of the better landing spots for a running back. And, and he got great draft capital and he's a generational talent. Like all the stars align here. Uh, Pat, I'll kick it to you first. I mean, is Bijan the real deal? Are we thinking he's still the one-on-one? Is there any doubt in your mind? I guess just, I mean, this could be a 30 second conversation. What do you think? Yeah, uh, not much doubt. I mean, the, the total package, best running back prospect to come in since Saquon in 2018 or whatever. And I agree, um, like, in totality, I think the, the landing spot is a real good one just because of Arthur Smith's commitment to the run. Right. It's it's actually a really underrated offensive line in Atlanta that's pretty good. Um, like, my only issue is you have to wonder – like when we look at the uh, at the end of the year and the advanced stats and see like who faced the most average men in the box of all the running backs, like I would assume that Bijan's probably going to be way up there just because who is going to honor Desmond Ritter as a passer. <laughs> and like, you know, no one's going to those safeties are going to be cheating up big time, uh, you know, with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. But yeah, still, though, I mean, we know Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. And, uh, you know, this this team is totally predicated on the running game. And and now they've got this mega talented rookie to lead the way. Yeah. I mean, Bijan is I mean, has been kind of the 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 gem of this draft. Right. Like everybody knew going in, get the one one and then the draft happened. And it's like, well, we still want the one one a lot. Bijan is still the guy. Scott, any comments, I guess, on Bijan or is it just kind of like, nope, no brainer. We're good, you know? Well, well, you're muted, so it doesn't even matter how good he is. But <laughs> thumbs up from Scott. That's all we need. All right, so we'll we'll kind of move on because in my mind, there are a couple of running backs that got some some interesting boosts or, or I guess, down values. But Gibbs is the one that I thought was the, the biggest boost in value. Scott, hopefully you figured, figured out your mute here because I'm curious what you think about Gibbs. Is he worth that 103, 104 that I've seen him go in some drafts? Like, do you feel like that's valuable for him or is that too early? Well, listen, guys, I don't know if you saw Detroit's war room when they made that pick, but oh my God, I am all in now. Trade everything for him. Talk I, about like, coach speak. My this goodness. Is the weirdest, the weirdest argument I've heard for players is like, no, we just spent months and years and millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of man hours on you know all this uh process and we took a player and we're just like oh yay you know yeah what do you think we're gonna be freaking excited regardless of who we picked i mean my god um i don't know man like yeah the draft capital that's that's what we're talking about that's where we wanted uh that that moves the needle right like the draft capital is really the the important part draft capital 12th overall um and we know basically they didn't like swift um some of the stories are starting to leak out a little bit that they just kind of felt like he was soft and uh, you know, he wasn't maybe putting in the work, whatever, and you can believe whatever you want. That's just, that's just what we're hearing. Um, and so that's fine. Coaching staffs come in, they want their own people. Right. And, and so it, move on from Swift. Let's get this guy. They have a, obviously a specific role in mind for him. And 
you know, I've moved out of the 105 a couple of times, to be honest with you, because I mean, my teams that have the 105 just aren't that good. And I don't think I'm just one player away and, and, and spe- specifically not a like workhorse type player. Um, not that he can't give us RB1 production, um, but I just I, I don't know that I'm like all in on him necessarily just size wise and everything else like his his skill set, draft capital, um, landing spot, the system, all that's all good. And I'll definitely I have a few shares and that's cool. But like he's a running back. So whatever. At the end of the day, I don't, oh, I don't, we, I don't we are very anti running back on this podcast. That yeah. is for sure. It's just especially in May. Like it's just. I don't know. Running back, great. Move on. Like I'm not that. We're very pro quarterback, negative running back. So this is a perfect episode to get them both. Uh, Pat, I'll kick it to you. I guess. I mean, where was Gibbs before the draft for you? And then how far did he move up? Is he still in that same tier, just at the top of it? Like I'm just kind of curious what you think about Gibbs and his draft value and landing spot. Like we know now. Yeah, before the draft, he was probably more towards the back end of the first round for me. Um, and like, it wasn't that I didn't like him. He was the running back too. It's just that I had like all those top wide receivers ahead of him and, uh, you know, had to reassess afterwards, but it's funny. I can, I can think of like some Twitter thread and I can't remember who started it. Just, um, like pointing out, it was, a someone showing the results of a a pro football reference query where it was like 200 pound running backs, uh, you know, drafted on, on in the first two days of the draft and like the track record is pretty horrendous and you know Gibbs is 199 pounds I mean you could kind of spin that and say well look at all the uh running backs 198 pounds and above and their track record (laughs) is much better I like Um, that I like that yeah so but yeah I mean like obviously when the Lions made that investment and everyone fell out of their chairs with that draft pick uh because you just don't do that sort of thing with running backs anymore, drafting them that aggressively, especially the smaller ones. Interesting. I mean, like, I guess everyone is hoping he's got the Alvin Kamara path of success since they've got, you know, David Montgomery to sort of be the uh, between the tackles banger and and maybe Kamara or uh, uh, Gibbs can have that sort of Kamara season where it's under 200 carries, but, you know, 90, 100 targets. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. And, and really, like those were the good games when DeAndre Swift had his big games for the Lions. Didn't it always seem like the Lions would get way down and they were having to throw it and they would dump off like 15 passes yep. to DeAndre Swift? I mean, man, it'll be fun if, if Gibbs has some of those games, although the Lions probably are not going to be as dreadful as they were uh, a couple of years ago. But Anyway, so yeah, now I mean he's up there, but still behind the three quarterbacks for me. But then he's he's one hundred and five. Same for me, actually. I, I would still rather have Young and Stroud both over Gibbs myself. I just feel like running back is such a fragile position and and kind of really hard to predict. Really, how they're going to be used, and with Montgomery too. I mean, Montgomery's not a slouch. I mean, obviously, you guys are both from the Chicago area. You remember Montgomery? He had some really good games. He's not like he's not terrible. Uh, and I think, too, with the way that this offense is changing kind of the landscape, too, it's maybe Montgomery being in there, even if it is just a little bit longer. They went after him. They went after Gibbs, too. And I feel like maybe they want to use them both in kind of this, you know, committee kind of thing. And that that would really hurt Gibbs's value if you take him at 104, right? If it is a true committee, which I don't think Gibbs gets 400 touches. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you add them all up, I think it's it's still going to be less than that. And I'd rather have a quarterback at that point. Um, the other funny thing I, I, I find interesting is that for – like 24 hours, DeAndre Swift's value tanked. 
right? Like the, the Lions go out, they they trade or, or assign, I guess, David Montgomery. Then they draft Jameer Gibbs, and everybody who had Swift was like panicking selling and just like, oh my God, the sky is falling. This is terrible. And I remember seeing a couple trades on Twitter, and I was just like, man, I would hold on to Swift because he's going somewhere. And then sure enough, he went to Philadelphia to Rockies Eagles. And, and then it was like value was right back up, right? So I, I just thought that was interesting how I still – I had Swift on one team, and actually I traded him away on Wednesday in my home league uh, and got Kyle Pitts in a trade. It was a big, you know, three-person on each side kind of trade. It wasn't like – it was just Swift for Pitts. But I just was like – I just kind of went out of the Swift train wreck, and I'm just kind of done with it, and I know, it just wasn't my thing anymore. And then he got – they drafted Gibbs, and I was like, hey, hooray, and then he went to the Eagles. I'm like, oh, crap, I lost. Like, just – that's the NFL for you. Right. And I think with, with running back, especially it's, I know it's kind of hit or miss. It's, I don't know. There could be a lot of things. So I kind of opened the floor, I guess here, Scott, was there any other running backs, like one or two running backs you want to mention? I know I brought up some of them on the show sheet, but obviously Charbonnet, everybody, I feel like has talked about that. We got a chain Miller Spears, like some of these other guys that are in that second, third tier. I mean, is there anybody that you felt like had a big move due to the draft that you're really, excited about or not excited about because of where they landed um i'll tell you the biggest mover that i've seen in adp has been zach evans um mm. i could get him at like the 408 like uh sunday saturday night sunday after right after the draft and now we're two weeks out and he's going i've seen him go late second um wow. and he's mostly going early third so yeah he's probably the, he's probably the biggest mover adp wise um all do you like other that guys. though? Do you agree with that move? Yeah, I mean, Acres has kind of had a rocky relationship there. They don't have much else. They don't really have the resources or the cap room to really add anybody. Um, so, I mean, he's got as good a chance of any. Um, you know, Pat mentioned um, the uh, the the glacial uh, running back they took last year, and uh, he, you know, at at best is is maybe a pass catching role. Uh, maybe special teams. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's got a good shot. Um, you know, I think the, the landing spots are for all these guys. Uh, everybody's just seems to be overreacting way too much. Like no. how many landing spots are there where, you know, how many players did you think you think there'd be 15 players that would just walk into like 300 touches? Like, I just don't understand what people were thinking. Like, we un- we know how the NFL values running backs. We know they use committees. We know all this stuff. So why the overreaction? I, I just I'm not understanding it. Um, you know, certainly sometimes it's disappointing when a guy like Charbonnet, who's a big back who could handle that load, goes to another place where we have a, a, a running back. We, oh, yeah. we generally like. Sure, I, I understand that, but also that's the perfect landing spot for him. Like that's where they're going to use him, you know, like if there's any team in the NFL that's going to run the hell out of the ball, it's going to be Pete Carroll. So, uh, I mean, I love the landing spot, Um, you know, plus I think he can earn the high value touches. I almost think like Ken Walker's like the between the twenties guy and Charbonnet could even be the goal line back and the third down back. So, I mean, he may have more valuable touches, even if it's a, a 60, 40 or 50, 50 split. Um, And I could go on and on about all the rest of these guys and, and, you know, uh, Spears and Miller, um, Bigsby, you know, I I'm taking shares of all these guys because that's how running back works. And I, I just, I'm very surprised that I I guess I'm not surprised at overreaction. I'm just shocked to hear like a lot of people that I've been 
listening to and reading for a long time are just like, you know, you're, you love a guy for six months and then all of a sudden he gets drafted somewhere and you're like, Oh, I'm not touching him. Like what? That no talent, you know, like you, you got to bet on talent at some point. So uh, not saying these guys are first round picks, but if you're talking somewhere in the second, third round, I'm happy to to throw those picks at those, those backs just in yeah. general. I'm more likely to add running backs to my bench than, than receivers. I know you and Scott Connor have talked about this at nauseum almost like that, that threshold running back threshold receiver. I'm sorry. Whereas like after a certain point, I mean, receivers don't matter and running backs could easily get a start on the opposite end of the spectrum. We got pup pass kick in the chat, running backs, running backs. I love it. That's exactly right. Pup pass. It's the opposite of our thoughts, but you're exactly right. Still, Pat, what are your thoughts on these running backs before we move on? I mean, is there anything else you want to bring up? Any of these other running backs you think are big movers, either up or down? Where, where are you at with these guys? Oh, it almost pains me that Devon A. Chain landed in such a good spot and uh, moved so <laughs> far up because I love the guy. I mean, like I would I would actually seek out Texas A&M games last year to watch A. Chain because, um, you know, and I, like he's not just this speedy scat back he's not like a deuce vaughn guy he's just like this this fast home run hitter like a chain is actually has like really good contact balance and like Mm -hmm. he he averaged almost 20 carries a game and like 23.6 touches a game and like texas a&m ran that guy between the tackles like way more than they probably should have um and, and like, I don't think Texas A&M even really tapped his pass catching talents as much as they should have, even though he averaged like, I don't know, three and a half catches a game. Um, yeah, I really like the dude. I mean, I, I think he is an exciting player and I can't wait to see how Mike McDaniel is going to use that guy. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, Raheem Mostert, who was sort of just, you know, his career was going nowhere had this like mid-career breakout when McDaniel was the running game coordinator in San Francisco and then had another good year for um, McDaniel last year in Miami. And A-Chain is like, uh, you know, he is Raheem Mostert plus. I mean, he is, yeah, yeah like a, a small back Fast with speed. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. So I'm really excited about him. And the guy I'm kind of bummed about is Ty, Ty J Spears. Mm. who I wanted to be excited about. And, you know, we would be excited about the, maybe not necessarily the landing spot, but the draft capital for sure as a potential, you know, this handcuff to Derrick Henry, who, you know, if Henry does finally hit the wall, like he's ready to step right in. But then we get the news that like he doesn't have an ACL and it totally harkens back to all the Jay Ajayi stuff. And, uh, you know, like they kind of said, well, yeah, go ahead and take a giant, but he's going to have a short career. And he, he did, you know, he had like the one big year where I think he had like 1500 yeah. yards or whatever. And then like half of a good year. And then he got hurt and he was, don't just remind me. Football. Oh my God. I sold yeah. so many different shares for, for a and it did not pan out. It's still a, a sore yeah. spot. For me. And I'm, yeah. I'm seeing Tater Wolf in the chat. My guy, Tater Wolf, by the way, who I, I hope to be talking to in the uh, fantasy pros discord uh, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. So yeah. And he's talking about, Spears being his most rostered player and man, like really bright prospect. And that's the other thing. If he is going to have this short career, why did he have to land behind Derrick Henry where he's like, <laughs> right. you're not going to, you know, he's going to have to sit for probably a year or two. So that's yeah. frustrating. No, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's like of all the places, you know, like th- there is a chance that Henry plays three, three more seasons as much as we don't think it's possible. That could be entirely all of AJ or uh, Ty J Spears career. Like, which is a shame because his ACLs are just still healing. Um, but anyway, with that, I think that's actually, I think that covers RBs well enough. I mean, 
this is we're mostly a super flex show. Obviously, Scott has a lot of opinions on quarterback. We definitely like quarterback more. Uh, if you're in a one QB league, I think any of these guys in the first round, any of these running backs, and obviously we'll get into receivers and tight ends next week, but these running backs, you're, you're almost always going to be thinking like, well, how can I add that to my roster for free or for cheap? And then kind of just see if he turns into something, right? Uh, running backs have a much easier path to fantasy relevance than receivers do. As much as you want to you know, argue all of that, uh, their floor is technically higher because it doesn't take much other than one injury to put them into relevance. So running backs are always kind of fun. So with that, we're going to get into our next section of the night, which is our listener league updates. I definitely wanted to cover some of this. Scott hit on some of this already, but uh, in DJ one dynasty junkies, one, the original, the OG, it's a 12 team league. Uh, Rocky and I took Charbonnet at 111, and it was kind of a discussion again because we just don't like that 111, 110, 112. Like, but everybody knows we don't like it, so the offers we were getting was pretty <laughs> terrible. Thank you, listeners. That was great. Uh, so we were like, I think we just have to stay here and take it. I don't think there's really going to be much of a trade option. So we took Charbonnet. I don't think I don't hate it. I think there's definitely a chance that he becomes something or at least gets a timeshare, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and as Scott said in earlier, he took in DJ one, he took Will Levis at 204 with his first pick, which is, in my opinion, tremendous value. Nobody's going to be upset with that. Uh, Dynasty Junkies 2, which is a 14-teamer. I took Bijan at the 101 because, of course, I did. Like, why wouldn't I? I traded Lamar Jackson for that 101. I felt like, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I can, I'm can. i still planning on trading him. Don't get me wrong. And then I took Stroud at 104, so I still got a quarterback in this draft, which I'm pretty happy with. But Rocky and Scott, right after I took Bijan, took Richardson at 102, which we were talking about, which makes sense. And then got Kendra Miller at 202, which is like a 16th pick overall. That's tremendous value in my mind. So I love that pick. I, yeah, we I guess thrilled. maybe the question would be, would you rather have Bijan and Stroud or Richardson and Miller? I mean, given the values, Ooh. Richardson and Miller might be the better duo just because of the, the cheapness of Miller. I don't know. I feel like that's – I know, Scott, I know you're a fan. But, Pat, what do you think about that? Obviously, Bijan's kind of – 101 and 104 is kind of hard to say, but getting Miller at 202 and Richardson, the best QB in the draft, it sounds pretty good, right? Which is, I do appreciate the value of getting Miller there. Uh, I definitely got to go with the Bijan. Still got to be Bijan. I I just wanted some reassurance. (laughs) I'm just saying because Richardson is getting a lot of hype right now, and Miller could be the guy if Kamara gets suspended. So there's still some people that are, you know, pretty high on him. And Stroud and Richardson are, in my mind, different tiers. So, uh, you know, just thought I'd ask. But thank you for the pat on the back. Uh, <laughs> DJ3, the one I wanted to mention was that Richardson actually went 101 in that draft. Uh, and again, I, I don't I don't hate it. I'm not saying that it's a terrible pick. It's not what I would have done. That, that was, was that my puff pass kick. That was, was in the puff, chat. And uh, yep. yeah, we talked about it uh, privately and he just didn't like uh, he couldn't get anybody to trade up to the 101. Oh. And so it's a 14 team league. It's process. It's taking the quarterback over the running back. And uh, I, I, I told him I loved it. I'm, I'm cool with yeah. it. I go get your guy. And again, puff pass, if you recall, was the guy that said running back, running back. That's so it right. kind of fits, you know Good what I'm man. saying? Like Good go man. get your guy. So I, I think again, if you're looking at the ceiling of those two, and if you're trying to rebuild, I totally get the logic of just taking your guy at 101. If that's Richardson, and again, there are a lot of teams, and, and I know I've heard Scott Connor mention this second reference in a sense, but like there are a lot of teams that are just not ready for Bijan to be on their roster and that have earned the 101. And it's just like Bijan is not going to help you, and everyone knows it, so no one's trading with you. I don't mind kind of going against the grain and getting Richardson. I think if that's going to help your team long term, I mean, again, Bijan could become the next Barkley or the next McCaffrey, but he could also become the next somebody that doesn't like it was it was it richardson wasn't it like a trent richardson or something like that like 
just busted out of nowhere. Like that happens with running backs too, right? So could be the next Trey Sermon, right? I don't want to put that jinx on him, but like one of those guys, you're just like, I had better hopes, you know, but uh, you know, get what you got to get. But I wanted to make at least mention that because that was in my mind, that was a ballsy move, but at the same time, go get your guy, man. No, no, no issues with me on that. So uh, with that, that brings us to our final segment of the night. And I definitely, I have to play this because it's just so good. Find me a trade. Thank you, Mr. Hard. We're going into find me a trade tonight. So this week's trade is brought to us by Steven Sear, who's in one of those listener leagues. I forget if it's two or three. I want to say it's two, actually. But uh, it is a sleeper league, which I know is Rocky's favorite. Um, I won't bother bringing it up because sleeper leagues are tricky anyway. But it is the Players Club Dynasty League. His team is Trust the Process, which is what it, I think it's Dynasty 3 then. Trust the Process is in 3, right? Uh, uh, either three. way, Junkies thank you, Stephen, yep. for submitting your team on this. It is a 12-team PPR, 1.5 premium, or in theory, 0.5 premium over the standard PPR. Uh, QBs get 6 for touchdowns, negative 2 for interceptions, and there are yardage bonuses. Uh, you start 11, 1 QB, 2 running back, 3 receiver, tight end, 3 flex, and a super flex. And he's got a lot of draft picks, 102, 104, 107, 110, 202, 303, 408, and so on, and 224 first. So, again, a terrific sort of, you know, flexibility at the draft, and their draft isn't until June, we checked. So they don't have the draft yet, which is nice. I have a home league that does the same. And, again, with all the leagues going on, it's not unheard of to hear that. Um, I'll read through his thoughts and then and kind of mention his team. But he said it's the second season, and obviously in the startup, I went with a productive struggle. I'm not sure it was obvious, but okay. I'll give it to you there, Stephen. Uh, I have a ton of draft capital and not exactly sure how to best use it. Current plan for the picks is Richardson at 102, Stroud or Young at 104, Addison, unless JSN and Gibbs there is at 107, because Addison 107 makes sense. Not sure on a 110, but probably Levis, assuming Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers are gone. Uh, and again, his team, it, it, I mean, I mean, maybe this is the best way to put it. I've I seen can, worse, Stephen. I've seen worse. Go ahead. Yeah, get through it there if you want to, Scott. So uh, at first I looked at it, I thought it was one of my rosters because there's uh, 15 <laughs> quarterbacks out of yeah. like 35 roster spots. But um, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's really the only one of note. Um, then it's a bunch of like bridge high end backup guys uh, like Sam Howell and Brissett Stidham, Mike White, um, Jameis Winston, Matt Corral, Terod Taylor, Colt McCoy types, um, you know, which is generally something I, like I may have that on my rosters, but that's usually when I'm in, in competing mode, um, unless you can start flipping those guys and, and only, you know, your league, like if these guys are, um, you know, if they're trade crazy for, for quarterbacks, then cool. You can hopefully flip some of those guys, get some fourths, get some thirds and, and build that future capital for, uh, when you need running backs um, to compete later uh, running backs, Kenneth Walker, Deandre Swift, Samaj P Ryan, Jarek McKinnon, wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Wandale Robinson, Jacoby Myers, Jamison Williams, and tight ends, Fryermuth, Dulcich, Troutman and McBride. And uh, then we talked about the picks that he has already. Yeah. A big stash of picks. And I wanted to mention this too. I put it in the sheet. We don't have to get into the deets, but he did make some trades, uh, you know, this off season already to kind of move some players around. looks like he sent Murray for Wilson, uh, Jamison Williams, Isaiah Spiller in a second. Uh, he also sent Drake London and a third for DJ Moore and Myers. So like, he's obviously making moves in this league. Uh, he ended up adding Brissett for Dobbs in a third, which I think is a terrific trade. Like I'd much rather yes. have Brissett there. 
Yes. And then his latest one was kind of a picks trade. And again, because sleeper doesn't show everything on the trade, it was a little tricky to see, but he ended up moving up a spot is pretty much what that was. He moved up a spot for, uh, to move back in the second and all this, but what I'm getting at, I guess, in general is this league is an active league. Steven can make moves, which is always good to see. And that's kind of what we like to look for in general. Um, Scott, I'll let you go first with your trade and then we can kind of see where we go from there. But what, what did you come up with for Steven as an idea or an advice for what to do next? Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree, um, with the thought process on those picks, um, mm. that you were, uh, you know, mentioned, um, the only thing is I would add, this is a tight end premium. So I would have Kincaid in that consideration for, for 110. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd take him at 107 personally, but I'm higher than the world on him. So, well, actually uh, let's pause for a second here. Would you rather have Kincaid at 107 and then just take one of the receivers at 110 or yeah. take Addison at 107 and maybe you have to risk getting Meyer at 110. That's kind I'll of the take, other twist, right? I'll take Kincaid and whichever receivers left. Yep. Absolutely. I kind of agree. Yep. yep. Um, I have all those guys close, although I do, I do like Addison. I probably prefer him, uh, personally, if I'm more of a contending team, which I'm just saying you know, the difference between Addison and, but, and but the difference isn't is smaller, enough. Right? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, Laporta and Mayer I like, and he also has 202. So mm-hmm. I would just say, keep that in mind, be flexible for the 110, the 202, because you can, you know, that could be um levis that could be kincaid that could be laporta mayor you can kind of configure that however you want and so with that in mind um i i looked to try to see if we could use some of these picks to go get like a stud quarterback uh it's hard to do year two because a lot of these guys they just drafted the guys that they wanted last year right like you know if you wanted lamar jackson you probably took him in the startup and so it's gonna it's it's typically hard to pry those guys away, even with the hype of this rookie class and some of those early picks. Um, But I would not be opposed to trying to throw some of those picks out there and go after these guys. And obviously, you know, your league better than anyone. So if, if that opportunity arises um, with your current roster, I'd I'd rather see you go after one of those elite quarterbacks than, than take the shots um, here on the rookies personally. Um, so then I thought about how can we create some more flexibility here and and be able to to do exactly what you're talking about, Andrew, is is give yourself the opportunity to get one of those receivers and a tight end and a quarterback and also add some some other players as well. So the team root 21, um, the you know, this this might be a little bit of a stretch, but basically move. He has two good quarterbacks and then Daniel Jones is really his third. So what I'm thinking is you can kind of bring in that established guy. You still get to keep your top capital. And so the trade here is Howell and Brissett plus Mike Williams and the 107. Granted, he probably countered with the 104, but let's start with the 107. Uh, And that was to team root 21. And that's for Daniel Jones, Kenneth Gainwell and Traylon Burks. Um, And I have found recently that Burks has been super cheap. Uh, He's I. You know, I, I don't know. I still I still like him enough. I don't have a ton of shares, but I found him cheap enough that I've been buying. And Gainwell mm-hmm. seems to be forgotten in all of this, uh, you know, swift trade and everything that's happening there. And I mean, he may end up being the most consistent one at the end of the day with, you know, we know Penny's injury issues and all that. So, again, it's just adding running backs. Plus, he has swift on this roster. So let's just right. let's just take both of them and you can figure it out later. Um, and you know, by taking Daniel Jones, it's not like saying, well, we have an elite quarterback now, but what it's doing is it's, it's mitigating the risk a little bit of having the two rookie quarterbacks. 
Um, so you're still taking that shot. You're getting Richardson. You're taking that upside shot. And then you also have Russell Wilson to fall back on. So you you have a, a, a little bit of um, you have some room to take the risk. But then it gives you a guy right now who can help you compete right away because you're you're not two years away from competing. You know, with a couple of right moves here, you can be right in the thick of things, uh, you know, come playoff time. Um, and if you're able to move that 107 and get Daniel Jones, then that 104 frees you up to potentially move back to a 105, a 106. And then you can you can go get the receiver that you want because you're not so locked into having to take the quarterback. And so if you really do want Addison, you go get Addison. Um, and, and then that way you're still getting two quarterbacks and the receiver you want. But again, that flexibility is, is key. And that's pretty much always going to be the thing I'm looking for, especially with all these rookie picks, um, and give yourself a chance then to, uh, maybe pick up future capital, whatever it may be to put yourself in a position to, if things hit right this year, you know, go for it. You can, you can get a shot at the championship this year. Well, that's actually what I was going to say. That trade, I love it. I think that trade turns him from a rebuild, retool into a contender, right? Because Daniel Jones becomes your QB2 on an every week basis. I mean, yeah, you've got Howell, you've got Colt McCoy who might start here and there. Like you've got some other like, you know, fringe QB2 kind of options, but Daniel Jones is a pretty good QB2. I'm fine with that. Uh, And again, I think it sets you up to make another consolidation trade down the road too, where maybe you send jones and swift for somebody better right so like i love that idea and making that move to make other moves uh because again i think with all the picks you have and all the quarterbacks you have in your roster like the best move in my mind is to do exactly what you said is to consolidate pat what did you think about that and then did you want to get into your own trade after that i like that deal and um you know i i do think the guy would probably count him on that 104 mm-hmm. instead yeah. of seven because i mean that, that's such a big agreed. um agreed like turning point there sort of in the rookie drafts where the 104 is really coveted and the 107 is sort of like okay you know yes it's got value but uh you're not oh you you could move to the 104 and get rid of howell or something like you could still make this work and you i mean i wouldn't want to do that but you could right yeah yep yep yeah so um all right what what i came up with for steven and uh this is a little more a little more simplified and streamlined but um, there is a team in, in Steven's league. Uh, it's it's Timmy HC20. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, you know, he is definitely in a uh, sort of productive struggle mode. But Timmy's got to be dying that he's got no quarterbacks. He's got Kenny Pickett <laughs> and Desmond Ritter. And like, that's it. That's it. And he Maybe does smells. not. Yeah. Timmy does not <laughs> have a pick in the first round either. Mm. But Timmy Yikes. is flush with future picks, and he's got like multiple seconds, I believe. And yes. um, so he's loaded with future stuff. And I'm thinking that um, <laughs> although maybe this doesn't quite accelerate Steven into contendership this year, like your trade does, Scott, um, my idea was for uh, Steven to trade Timmy his 104 in exchange for uh, Ramondre Stevenson the 206 and Timmy's second round next year. And Timmy's got multiple seconds and you want it to be Timmy's second round. Cause I think that's going to be basically like a low end first round pick. Cause Timmy's team yep. is pretty bad. Let's be honest. Um, but the thing is, you know, I yep. know this is the running back shmunning back podcast. However, uh, <laughs> in that league with the three flexes, like that yeah. sort of boosts the value and, and being able to like put quality running backs and receivers into that flex spot. And let's face it, it, it sort of also 
slightly di- dilutes the value of quarterbacks. Like not mm-hmm. greatly. I mean, super flex, bit, super yeah. flex, but you know, it, it does when there are that many other flex spots. So start a lot. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think, you know, that gives you a little draft capital for next year, a little extra boost. You can still get something at the 206. And if he wants to add two quarterbacks, I mean, he's still got that 102. Steven can get Richardson there. And then he can, in fact, take Will Levis at the uh, later in the first round with what that 110. Yeah. So he can yep. still load up at quarterback and give this other opponent who's dying for quarterbacks the opportunity to add a starter, like a, a good rookie starter. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's one of those trades, too, that has some different pivot points in there, right, depending on what Steve is looking for, which is always nice. And I think, too, you might get one of those where you send that over and they counter with the other second. And you're like, I really wanted your second. So what if I counter back <laughs> and I put your second in there? But then I add like, a, I don't know, Brock Wright or some other like bench. play. you got tons of quarterbacks. Maybe you add like a Cole McCoy, right? Like something like that. Just like throw him back another bench player, you know, to kind of get that second. Because I like your logic there, too. Like having 13th or 14th pick is a little bit better than having the 16th or 18th, right? Like that does kind of matter. There's, we see it this year too, but there's tears all the time, right? So like, I'd rather have a little earlier, even if it is a year out. So I like that logic. Scott, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I mean, I think there's, uh, you have, <laughs> we can't, we can come up with all these convoluted <laughs> trades and figure out all these different things. But uh, when, you know, like Pat said, simple streamline, let's go get it done. I think that's the type of trade that that gets done. And it makes a lot of sense for both teams, which is yep. always a win-win. Yeah. And to start 11, I feel like you definitely want to have some, some options in your flex. I mean, you, you're not going to, I mean, yeah. again, it's not like it's a start eight, start nine, like 11 and 12 is when it gets to be kind of like, Ooh, we really got to figure out what we're putting in there. It's not so much studs and duds. We really have to be a little more careful. So I like that logic. Now I'll get into mine. And mine was, again, kind of on the simpler side. I mean, obviously his first pick in the draft is not 101. It's 102. So he's not getting Bijan. I think that's pretty clear. I would kind of wait until 102 gets on the clock just to make sure, because there are some, like we just mentioned, where Richardson goes 101. So I'm not moving the 102 just yet, just in case something wonky happens. And we still have a month until this draft, right? So there's no reason to move this now. I always say this on this podcast, especially why make that move today? So my trade is more of like mindset wise for when 102 is finally on the clock. We expect Robinson, but if he's there at 102, take 102 Robinson and be done. But if he's not, and Richardson is the guy, my thinking is to make a trade with Jay Doman 13, send a 102 and 110, which we were talking earlier. I hate the 110. Like that's just not my favorite spot. But send the 102 and 110 for Justin Fields, who is worth two firsts in my book, and Malik Willis. Like, we were talking about him before. Like, I think you could easily add Malik Willis to this team and, and put him on your bench of QBs. And I put this specifically for you, Scott, and drop the QBs on your bench. Like, no, obviously don't do that. But there are some players that you could easily cut if you need to and kind of trim your roster. That If you get Willis and Fields, I mean, again, Fields versus Richardson, I feel like I'd rather have Fields almost every time. And then Willis versus the 110, I'd rather have the 110. You might be able to even offer more than this and kind of, or I should say, offer this and get more back, right? You might be able to get another player on that roster for Jay Doman, but I would be happy to get these two quarterbacks for those two picks. Even if I don't, I don't think Willis plays for Tennessee again. I think he's done there, but I think it's not, it wouldn't be shocking to see him back up Jimmy G, like we were saying before, or like go to New Orleans and back up Derek Carr, right? Like there's, there's plenty of places that would be willing to have him as a backup and I'd find a lot of value there. So 
again, my logic was you could take Justin Fields with your 102 pretty much and then get whoever falls to you at 104 with your next QB and and kind of be a lot younger with Wilson as your QB2 and then have Bryce or Stroud or whoever as your QB3. And I just feel like that I would feel better with that, even though the Richardson hype is kind of getting out of hand. Maybe that's the move. And again, don't do that trade today. Just wait to see if it happens to be on the block. Because again, a month from now, things might be very different, but I'm very high on fields. I think he's going to take another step up. He's got the legs. He's got the offense. DJ Moore is there. That offense is going to ball out. As a Bears fan, Scott, even if you don't love him, uh, what do you think about that trade? I'd rather have Richardson over Fields, but it's just because I know how inept the Bears organization is, and I don't trust them to <laughs> support Fields or All right. you know, help him. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, this goes along with what I started this whole thing saying was trying to get one of those elite quarterbacks with your right. picks. Because if you're able to get one and still draft one, I I, I love that opportunity of kind of having uh, both chances there. I mean, imagine if you get like Fields and Bryce Young. That's a right. great combo to put with Russell Wilson there as your three quarterbacks. So I, I would really like that. Well, again, I think the, the floor is probably higher. In my opinion, anyway, the floor is probably higher for Fields. And with Wilson yeah. being kind of a wild card, I'd rather lock that in and not be quite so risky. But Pat, what do you think about that trade before we kick it out of here today? I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm above consensus on fields in both uh, dynasty rankings and redraft rankings. And, you know, I, like I said, I've, uh, you know, being here in the Midwest, watch a lot of Big Ten football. And I thought fields was like a good college passer. I just like it was kind of weird circumstances in Chicago last year. They just weren't really equipped to have much of a passing game. And um, so, like, I think. It's a trade I would want to do. Like, I like that idea. And I think it's really plausible that that trade gets accepted, too. So, thumbs well, up and, here. And something else, which, again, we always try to take in mind and why we do this whole thing is because you got to look at the other teams, right? And that that team has Dak Prescott and not much else at QB, right? So, like, they could be looking at this like, I need to go into a rebuild. They got Akers, Jacobs, Sanders. They got some running backs. So, obviously, they're kind of maybe they're contending. But again, just Fields and Prescott isn't bad, but behind that is nothing. And Or maybe you got Mayfield, obviously, Willis, who mentioned. I could see that team, Jay Doman, being like, you know what, maybe this is the chance I have to kind of go get Richardson is getting all this hype, right? And it's kind of like to turn this team around and get him a second first-round pick that he can use on whatever he wants. And again, Fields for two firsts seems about fair to me, especially if one of them is a high first. So I feel like the value is right. I mean, again, he could go for it. He could also be a Chicago, and it's like, hell no. But again, the other far, the other part of this that I thought was interesting, Steven's logo on Sleeper is the Bears logo. So I'm like, go get your guy, man. Like, go get that Bears <laughs> exactly. QB. Like, that's my thought. Like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Well, I always look for that, too, because that's I always go for Bengals players because I'm a Bengals fan, like unabashedly. Right. Like, it just makes the game more fun. If I'm already watching my game or I'm already in the stadium watching my Bengals, I'd love to be able to cheer for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and all this. So, again, my like, other thing is like, be players. A well, right, obviously, but like be a homer, like go get that guy, overpay, right? Do what you got to do to add them to your roster. I, I love having Tyler Boyd. I love I love having Hayden Hurst. I got a ton of Irv Smith. Like it's not just because they're good players. It's just they're on the field for the team I'm watching. It just makes it more fun. Anyway, with that, I think we've done a pretty good job for you there, Stephen. Hopefully you can find a good trade. Definitely let us know how that goes. Uh, send us a DM, shoot us a, a chat or tag us on Twitter. Here comes Mr. Scampers right in at the end. Good evening. I'm very late. Well, we're glad you're here still, Scampers. You can always listen later. But like I said, with that, I think we're going to kick it out of here tonight. I appreciate you being here, Pat. I wore my fantasy, my brand new, beautiful Fantasy Pros shirt. Obviously, I write for Fantasy Pros. We're colleagues at Fantasy Pros. 
But where else can people find you and, and kind of find your content? I know you got a lot of things going on. Yeah, uh, pretty much just there, Andrew. And, and Andrew and Scott, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Um, so yeah, people can find me at fantasypros.com, bettingpros.com if they're so inclined, on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF, and uh, check out the Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast. Oh, and, and I know you got your own podcast. You're on Dynasty Pros. You're on Twitter all the time. I know you're creating a ton of great content. So I'm really glad you could come on. I know uh, I've always been a fan of yours. We met at the, the expo. I want to make sure we mention that the Fantasy Expo is happening in August. Go get your tickets. I know I'll be there. Pat, are you going to be there again this yes, year? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't Where wait. else would I be? I'm in Ohio already. So like it's just kind of like a hot skip and a jump, a nice four-hour drive, but still totally worth it. But yeah, anybody who's listening, definitely come check us out. Come get a beer with us. We always love it. Um, so yeah, definitely enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much, Pat, for coming on. I'm Andrew Hall again at Andrew Hall FF. Scott is at Scott underscore Sidlow. Rocky doesn't get his red because he didn't read mine last week. And that's the rule. But we're also at Dynasty Junkies. We're streaming on the DAP network, DAP underscore network. We're also streaming on Dynasty Junkies now, which is a nice new twist. I want to make sure we start doing that. Uh, tag us, like I said, send us DMs, submit your F mats, your find me at trades. Uh, we actually have a show next week about the receivers and tight ends. But after that, like Rocky said last week, we'll be doing an F mat spectacular Probably getting three. I'm thinking three, maybe four. We'll kind of see how it goes. Um, but we're always looking for more leagues on that, specifically MFL. So Rocky doesn't complain and, you know, get old with himself. But if you have a sleeper league, that's fine too. Just be on the lookout for a DM for me to figure out how to get that together. Um, but I guess with that, anything else? I mean, obviously, subscribe, rate, and review, all that kind of stuff. But anything else to kick over to here, Scott? I'm leaving it to you to take us out of here. Yeah, another good night. Always good to get the Illinois boys together. Appreciate you, Pat. And uh, yeah, check out uh, Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast with uh, yes. with Pat and our our good friend Scott Bogman as well. So that's that's a great yes. listen. I listened to I've listened to ab absolutely every episode they've ever put out. No joke. Um, I've heard everyone. They're they're great at what they do, and they are they are truly pros. So uh, appreciate you, Pat. And uh, I froze there for a second. And <laughs> thanks to all the uh, people in the chat. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, with that, I'm Scott Sidlow for Pat, for Andrew. Junkies out.